0: Welcome
1: to the What's Your Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can discuss and embrace and understand the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corperew. It's early September, and the clamor for football has grown to its fevered pitch. But there are other sounds this year, unlike those of other seasons, those of protests. Chance of no cap, no NFL, black lives matters, all lives matters, unpatriotic, as well as the colloquial uses of the N-word to describe millionaires, men with degrees from prestigious universities and varied disciplines. As the new cycle of Colin Kaepernick's revolutionary stance continues its fervor across the country, I must note there has been a long history of men of color standing up against oppression who have met familiar consequences for their actions. Nat Turner, Gabriel Prosser, Charles Solandes, Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, Medgar Evers. However, in today's society, assassination does not come in the form of physical lethality for revolutionaries of color, but at the hands of social castration and vilification. We have seen this with the counter-narrative surrounding the aforementioned Black Lives Matter movement, which has been characterized as a hate, group, a hate group, a terrorist organization, anti-police, and even in the face of enormous evidence that shows the contrary. It is this counter-narrative that scorches the untrained mind and leaves it without reason to find substance in the truth. As the news of Mr. Kaepernick's failure to stand for the national anthem seeped into the national mainstream and social media, those on the periphery began to make statements of disdain about his actions, labeling him uneducated, stupid, an idiot, and the most nefarious adjective in the American discourse, unpatriotic. Lest we forget that our country that we stand up so mightily for during the singing or playing of the national anthem is a representation of those who chose to leave their home country because of their loss of freedom. They were oppressed. Lest we forget the reactions of households around the country who stood in solidarity as millionaires around the NFL banded together in their fight for less oppressive workplaces and decided to strike, placing the livelihood of all those who facilitate their success on hold was drew Brees called unpatriotic was peyton manning called an idiot was tom brady called stupid yet the greater argument here is what if the aforementioned had decided to sit down for the same reasons that mr kaepernick did what if tom brady spokesman for so many powerful companies around the world ugh under armor and Movado decided that the atrocities atrocities that we are witnessing, Tamir Rice, Jordan Davis, Trayvon Martin, the land of Castile, merited him to forego standing for the anthem that purports the land of the free and the home of the brave, but falls short for so many. Would we call him unpatriotic, or would we take greater notice? Parsimoniously, It should not take the actions of the privileged to warrant a shift in mindset towards the oppressed. It shouldn't even take the actions of a football star like Mr. Kaepernick, even in the face of adversity, to spark a national conversation. It should simply take the images and sounds of men, women, and children suffering to incite all people to think critically about a revolution that ensures that all people have the opportunity to thrive. Today I am joined to talk about activism in sports with acclaimed sports journalist Roe Brown, sports director for our beloved WBOK 1230 AM, 39 years in the game. Ro, how you doing, brother? Doc, how are you? I'm doing Thank well. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and Oyd Craddock, former IBMer, former CEO of IBMer. our beloved St. Augustine High School, Southern Illinois University Hall of Famer. Producer, writer, and director of Before the West Coast, a story about the sports legacy of St. Aug during the Civil Rights era. Brother Craddock, thank you for joining the What's Your Revolution show today.
2: Great to be here.
1: Man, I'm excited about this show, brothers, let me tell you. But the first question that I always ask, and I know you're excited to answer this question because you've been thinking about it all night long. (laughs) <laughs> or at least for the last 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least for the last 15 minutes is, uh, what's the revolution? So we're going to give the mic to Ro. What's the revolution, brother? Ooh, you know,
3: <laughs> I heard this question the first time 15 minutes ago, and I've been trying to think about it. Uh, I guess I would say that based on what I've done thus far, and it's, I mean, I probably haven't really – completed my revolution. Well, I know I haven't completed mm-hmm. it yet, but uh, I guess I would say that my revolution has been telling people things that they don't know, and when I tell them things in, uh, about people that they do know, in both cases, doing it in order for them to realize how important those things and those people are, how it's more important than they realize, right? and how right. it affects their lives and will affect their lives forever. Right, I don't right. know if that makes sense to No, you. it I does. Know. <laughs> you, <laughs> know,
1: that's, you know, that's, yeah. Knowing <laughs> that you are a long-time journalist, that's what that's what journalists do. They bring the information to people. They tell people they did what they don't know mm-hmm. and why it's important. Brother Craddock, what's a revolution?
2: A revolution is education and leadership among black men. Uh, education and leadership that's uh, advanced, Accelerated and amplified.
1: Okay, all right. You know, I want to know more. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't just drop that and, and leave it right there.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, education. You know, I, I look at my own life. It, it was critical to, to my success. You know, I grew up in that generation. You know, where we were the first to get those opportunities, and our parents said, "Look, you got to get an education," and it paid off for me. Uh, in today's world, uh, you, you've got to have you got to have skills. You, you got to have all, all sorts of skills. Uh, people skills as well as technical skills and and uh, and you got to have you got to have that to, to be a leader. You know, leaders uh, have great impact, have great influence. They can do more for their community, for, uh, for themselves, their family. And uh, I had the opportunity for leadership, op- you know, leadership opportunities throughout my career. I, I know how challenging that was and what it takes uh, as well as the benefits. And I, I want my next generation of brothers to, to benefit from what I've learned, which is why I'm promoting that among young men. Right. Uh, so it's why I uh, took an, an assignment at Morehouse College as I wrapped up my IBM career to to, uh, to teach there uh, two semesters, and uh, as well as take the assignment at St. Augustine High School, my right. alma mater, to, right. to help uh, – the next generation.
1: Right, I know that all the good brothers of saying all who listen to the show are very thankful for your leadership during that period of time. We want to thank our sponsor, Aetna, uh, for giving us the opportunity to continue this great message out here for men and the people who love them. So, Roe, let me ask you this question. Just Since Brother Craddock has told us a little bit about his life, you've been around. What have you seen? You know, as a sports journalist for the last 39 years, what are some of the highlights of your career that stand out for you? Some of the moments that really say, you know what, wow, I love what I do. Mm -hmm. There have been
3: so many of those. It's like I always tell people, I did this because I didn't want to work for a living. Okay. All right. Teachers work. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. They, Guys yeah. working for Bo Brothers or whoever, uh, sewage and waterboard. They work.
1: Okay. I'm messing with sewage and know, waterboard right now. The,
3: yeah. They. You know. I got. I got paid to do my hobby. <laughs> basically. Right. But yeah, it it was a little. Always a little bit more than that. Uh, it it always was for me. It. Uh, you know. I mean. I guess if you're talking about. You know, events, it's more people than events, I guess, you know, the people that you see. Uh, the 1992 Olympic track and field trials come to mind because that was a national event. That was an international event. Right. That also had controversy that had to do with some activism mm-hmm. because that was the Butch Reynolds year of, you know, with right, the you know, right, performance exactly. enhancing right, drugs exactly. and, you know, not being allowed to run and not then being allowed to run and not being in the whole works. Uh, you know, things like that. It, it's just, you know, you got a chance, you know, as an intern, I got a chance to to see Muhammad Ali up close mm. every day for two weeks. Really? What was that like? Weird. <laughs> 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 but great, you know, and, and that was what, you're talking 39 years ago this time because it was right before the Ali Spinks fight. Right. So you got a chance to, you know, I got a chance. And one of my jobs as a production assistant was to go to the workouts every day in case something happened. And, you know, in case something big happened. So I was there every day, you know, to the point where, you know, he started to, you know, recognize me being there every day. Okay, you may not have known who I was. Who but is that dude? Yeah, there. Yeah. Exactly. Why is he here you with know, us? And just to see somebody, you know, who, since this is a show about activism, you know, activism to me, I mean, it, it's it doesn't have to be necessarily loud or disruptive. You know, sometimes it has to be, and sometimes it can be effective either way. And, you know, his activism to me at that particular time was seeing him work out for two or two and a half hours and then put on a white terry cloth robe and sit there in a chair, and there'd be a line outside the municipal auditorium around the street, and he'd take pictures and sign autographs and fool with people for about two hours. Right. (laughs) You know, I mean, this is a guy who's the most recognized face in the world, so why are you doing that? You know what you know you don't have to do that, but he did uh, yeah, that was a to me that was a form of activism because he was doing something you know to make people's lives better right, right. <laughs> I, 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 exactly. you know just right. was he and just we, was exactly. and, you know there was no one right. that i mean everybody was just you know they brought him pictures and paintings of it you know it just all
1: kinds of gifts and all this, and I mean they would just tickle paint right, you know. When we think of revolutions, revolutionaries, activism, we often think about these grand gestures. We think about these big, loud things. Mm-hmm. But m- many activists are quiet. Yeah. They're grassroots people. Yeah. You know, they're grassroots – you think about President Obama. Really nobody knew who Barack Obama was. Mm-hmm. He was a community organizer mm-hmm. doing his thing in Chicago, and all of a sudden – Somebody started to take notice of the things they were doing. Right. But most activists that we, we think about, and you think about New Orleans, about where we are right now, how many activists live in, in this great city yeah, and are trying to actually build something better for the people that live here in our city? Yeah. yeah you
3: know, and on this station, I mean, we, we kid about it a lot, but I mean, it's really not kidding. You know, if anybody who listens to this station knows that I grew up in the Louis Ninth War. Okay. You know, I mean, because I, t- I say that, and Oliver Thomas says it all the time, and that sort of thing, and... I lived in a neighborhood of activists, mm. you know, I, whether I knew it at the time as a little boy, but those people, when I go back, I think about those are the people who who uh, did things, some of them quiet, some of them not quiet, to make my life better, and they tangibly made my life better, a lot of them, I mean, be it from Douglas Haywood, the barber who, you know, who made sure that I had an extra ticket to go to a Saints game with my dad, I mean, you know. I mean, my parents, they made sure I went to these things, but he was nice enough to think, well, this is somebody who really, you know, wants that, uh, who would really appreciate that, you know, knowing full well that, you know, they knew that 40 years later I would be doing what i Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> okay, I mean, yeah. they knew, they all knew, and they did things to ensure that I got a chance to do that, to, to taking a tour of Channel 6 in 1965. When the only black people who were there were people who would clean up the building. Right. And, you know
1: Connecting the dots. And that's interesting. That's how I said that day, you
3: know, July seventeenth to sixty five, when they got me that tourist station. You oh know, I and so I go that that was it. Wow. That was it. Wow. <laughs> and I wow. can tell you Rose,
2: Roe Ro saying that uh, he made a difference when it came to, you know, my era and my time watching Roe on television. You know, uh I grew up in an era. And I'm a child of the 60s, and we we weren't on television, right? We we didn't see ourselves in in these many roles, whether it's on the news, on various television programs. And so you you had uh, blacks who were breaking through in these areas for the first time. And if I think back then, maybe there were two or three on television. Warren Bell, yeah, Roe Brown. Warren Bell and Rob Warren Bell, that's you know,
1: anymore. Brother Warren <laughs> Bell. Let me tell right you. Right now, I
2: can't think of anybody else. Yeah. Right. That, but, but uh, man, it it just it uh, it inspired you mm-hmm. that these brothers were were there and and excelling. You
1: know? and, and and that's the biggest piece. I and mean, Warren and I have been able to talk about his work that he's done here in this city. And he's a uh, you know he's a plethora, a, a wealth of knowledge and a sage himself. But you're right, you know, and and what we're seeing now as brothers are trying to push out their message in any platform that they have, and so it's interesting. I want to ask this question. Let's let's move this conversation into sports. What have we seen in the evolution of sports over the last fifty years? But I want you to couch this, brother Craddock, in your film, all right, if you can. Talk a little bit about that because you got to see activism really early on with your coach. So, if you talk a little bit about your film, what it is, and really about your coach and leadership and how he was the activist during yeah. that period of time.
2: Well, you know, I, I, earlier at my intro, I talked about leadership and, and didn't highlight that. You know, a fundamental premise of, of the documentary is highlighting the great leadership of Coach Otis Washington. And, and I will tell you that if you, if you talk to Coach, he will, he will tell you he was not a civil rights leader. Right, that, that's that's not his thing. He he's, he was a football coach, trying to teach young people to do what was right. I mean, that's literally a quote from from when we interviewed. But uh, but it the the film highlights his 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 leadership, uh, innovation, uh, demonstrating a, a, a black man excelling in all aspects of leadership. But but it was also about the uh, the, the school and that period of time and what that football team's, uh, entrance into the LHSAA and and integration of that, what it meant to the community, right? And what it meant to, uh, you know, all of us as young men, the responsibility we, we, we took on, uh, to be in those, to be in that role to represent the school and represent the black community. It meant a great deal. And, uh, and Coach Washington was definitely the right man for the job at that time.
1: Right, and and, and during that period of time in the '60s, we needed to have strong—and not that we don't need it now. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but for young men going through that period of time in the '60s, growing up, integrating schools, going out and, and integrating the public, you needed that strong leadership. You needed yeah. that—you you needed that strong leadership in in every facet. One second, brothers. You're listening to the What's Your Revolution show. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Corpro. This show is powered by our great sponsor, Aetna. And we want to continue this conversation about activism in sports. And we're just talking about this evolution. Ro, you and I had a conversation before the show. We've seen this evolution of activism. Mm -hmm. During the 60s and 70s, we really got to see athletes and actors and other activists really stand up. But one of the things that you said that really stood out to me is that there was a there was a quiet period. Yeah. What What do you think happened between the 60s and 70s until what we're seeing now? Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> what about that? What well, about Mike? Well, I, everybody
3: wanted to be like Mike, and if being like Mike meant not talking about things like that, mm-hmm. not talking about issues, you know, uh, not you know. Being involved or engaged in activism, uh, you know that's that's what I think happened. Mm-hmm. That had a big, you know, may not have been the only thing, but I think the most the most important thing that what happened. You know, everybody wanted to be like Mike, and if you were going to be like Mike, that was part of being like Mike,
1: right? Because <laughs> Mike, <laughs> that, that was part of it. Mike okay? was a con- he was a conglomeration in, in itself. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and you to know. and so if you look and at his <laughs> model, and
3: you were supposed to think yeah. that he was colorblind, that that you know that people didn't look at when they looked at Michael Jordan that's what you were supposed to think uh something Lloyd said just now you know and I agree with him with his coach Otis Washington you know no he really didn't think and probably still doesn't think that he was a, a you know civil okay. rights leader or an activist so to speak but that happens a lot of people most of the people who are, don't think they. They are. don't think they. You know, it's like those people that grew in the neighborhood that I grew up in. You know, I mean, yeah, they, they just go out and do it. You know, it, they don't think in terms. Go back further. You familiar with Alice Marble? No. Okay. You know, Alice Marble was a tennis player. You know, it's a white lady who dominated tennis internationally mm, in the thirties. Yeah, in the thirties, and uh, you know, they need to make a story, a movie about her life. She was a spy and all that and got shot, but that's... that's
2: real <laughs> yeah. No, really.
3: But, no, really but, but, you know, Alice Marble, you know, you know, Althea Gibson was turned down when she requested to play in the U.S. National Championships right. for several years until 1950. They let her in. The reason why they let her in, because Alice Marble sat down and she wrote a letter to a tennis magazine. To the United States Lawn Tennis Association and telling them how ridiculous it was. Okay, you know that that you're not letting this lady play. Okay, you know and you know if if she's a, a hurdle to all the other players then they need to just jump over that hurdle, <laughs> if they can. not Okay, I mean she <laughs> just wrote this letter and she just and they let her in.
2: So let me, let me <laughs> and they that. let her in. Okay,
3: because <laughs> Alice Marble wrote this letter. Right, all right, right, you know and I'm sure she wasn't thinking, you know, <laughs> that she was just.
2: I want to add yeah. to the Michael Jordan thing. Uh, in addition to you know him happening mm-hmm. and in his approach, uh, I think we got caught up in in a lot of the trappings, uh, of, of a little touch of the prosperity, mm-hmm. all, all the all the That's toys, oh, yeah. uh, the technology, you know, the acceptance, the exactly, mm-hmm. perceived acceptance, exactly perceived acceptance, acceptance, and so we got distracted and deceived.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, the perceived acceptance was deceived us, right? Yep. And and then the distraction of, of again all the toys. Right.
1: right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can achieve this. Yeah. From a sports perspective. Yeah. If y- you can look like and you can be affiliated with, but don't say too much. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm saying yeah. that as, as well as yeah. it 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 also affected some of the some of the drive, some of the the mm-hmm. the, the drive to to. Uh, yep. To overcome adversity because we were ha- we had less of it, right? Mm-hmm. And we had this perception of us being accepted and the perception right. of opportunity uh, and, and a sense of fairness, of being treated fairly. And, and so, hey, what do you have to fight for if you think everything's okay, yeah. right? That's the deception
1: piece. Exactly. A- exactly. I want to go back one second to what you just said, Ro, because it, it, it harkens to what I said in my earlier piece is that why does it take – the privileged to finally step up and say this needs to happen for things to happen. I don't why know did, why did this I, white lady yeah. have mm-hmm. to write a letter to the uh-huh. USTA uh-huh. to allow Althea Gibson? And what we're seeing now with the the Kaepernick protest uh-huh. is now we're seeing after a year we're seeing some of our white brothers jump into. So Chris Long has now joined Malcolm Jenkins on the Philadelphia Eagles in his protest. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has now come out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. why is it that it has to take the actions of the privileged to then all of a sudden raise the awareness that something needs to change i don't know but that's how it's been
3: and that's how it's always been and <laughs> i you know i don't you know I, 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 it's a question i've always asked myself you know i'm not sure that i care <laughs> you' can't, you know I, you know it's uh, you know as long as long as it gets done but but i don't know I I don't know why, and I think that the the easy answer would be that, you know,
2: well, the opinion they is, listened.
3: That opinion is of greater importance it, to them. Okay, right. I was, that's the only thing I could come up with. That opinion from someone you know who they perceive is a little like them, unless they're just hardened. You know, well then I don't like you either. <laughs> you know, some people you know they need. You know, it, it's once again oh, i mean well, i could those, g- i could give you a lot of examples in sports yeah. st louis cardinals wrote the letter we're not gonna play when we play against the dodgers because of jackie robinson they take the letter to stan museum he says i'm not signing that the letter gets squashed mm. well, those in, those <laughs> okay in you, know, Musial, you know because it's stan you know he said oh, I ain't signing that.
2: Yeah, those in power respect the opinion of, yeah. of others yeah. in, power in power or with privilege mm-hmm. more than those that don't right mm-hmm. i think it's it may sound obvious, but I think it is, yeah. I, and, and, I, and I've seen it. Yeah,
1: that's, that's, uh, so that's just how it is. It becomes know. problematic for me. It, you know, I can understand why. Right. It becomes very problematic for me because these are the injustices and the, the oppression that we face on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And so
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, it, it takes a level of empathy for someone else to say, you know what, I understand, even though that I don't experience this mm-hmm. on a daily basis, my empathy then is much greater for me to push this movement along instead of my daily experience of what's going on in my life to make you think coherently about this is wrong. Yeah. And that's what that, – and I want. We talk about accomplices, accomplices and allies on this show all mm-hmm. the time, and so we want that. Yeah. But I will also want people to understand this is my daily experience. Right. It, it, but it, here's something else that it does for
3: me also. It makes me admire those African-Americans that they don't listen to who continue to fight. Mm. (laughs) They ain't going to listen to somebody else says it, okay, until someone like them says it. You know, they won't even think about it until someone else like them says it. But those African-American activists who go on and soldier on anyway, to me, that makes me admire them. And care about them and love them even more.
1: Right, cuz you I mean that even is standing more. up in the uh, yeah, I mean, up y- in the y- face you know, of adversity I mean, you know I mean when
3: you know I mean you know that they may not listen to it until somebody else says it, okay?
1: And but they go on and they do it anyway. Right. <laughs> and that's the interesting thing that leads me to this next question comparing comparing those activists, those civil rights activists who are notable in the 60s and 70s to what we're seeing now. Is there a difference between their actions? Are they similar? What are the the similarities and differences between the the brothers and sisters back in the 60s and 70s and what we're seeing now?
2: Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is what's going to happen with Kaepernick and how is he going to handle it? Mm -hmm. Because he may be out of work for a couple of years. I wasn't surprised at all that a a team didn't sign him Mm -mm. because of what he did, Mm right? Right. I mean, we can think back to, and, and it's it's in the great American tradition. Look at what they did to Ali, right, right, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the 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 brothers Tommy Smith, John Carlos, with their protests at the Olympics. While they didn't ban them from running afterward, uh, they certainly sent them home very quickly,
1: very quickly, and banned
2: them from the village. But uh, weren't their medal
1: w- weren't their medals stripped? Uh, they actually got to keep they kept the medals. They okay. kept the medals. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But
2: but there's no way he was going to be able to do that. And they not so-called put him in his place. Right. So so now let's see how he's going to respond, uh, because I think ultimately he'll be vindicated, if you will, and folks will will come to say, you know what, we probably needed that at this time, but right now there's there's he's got to go through it. He's got he yeah. got he's got to go through the fire. Yeah,
3: right. And think we're going to about that a been later anon- on, uh, th- But you're right. Yeah. When you think about it, uh, you know. Off the top of your head, there have been a number of people. You know, I guess been. You know, I guess Ali was vindicated. To you know, I guess you could say that he was. I mean, you look at his funeral. Uh, the, the love. Yeah, I, I guess you could say that that he was vindicated. Uh, I'm not sure somebody like Paul Robeson was though.
0: So. Mm.
3: <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, I mean, that's somebody who I mean soldiered on and on and on and and uh, you know, I'm not sure if he ever really recovered from it. I mean, he went through you know, I mean I talked to people like Don Newcomb, you know, the great Dodger right, pitcher exactly. and I asked him if he ever met Paul Robson. And he said no. He said I when I was about to go into the army and the before I was about to go in, he was at some restaurant in New York and he said he wanted to meet me. And I told the person, I don't want to meet anybody like him. He's the reason why I'm going fight against his kind. Wow. So it's Don Newcomb really okay, who said that and he looked at me and he said, "It was the dumbest thing I'd ever done in my life." <laughs> <You know? laughs> he said because I'm listen- i was listening to white people, okay? You know, he said that's—I was listening to white people, and and of course, you know, you know, Jackie Robinson went, you know, before the you know the Senate committee and all that stuff and spoke out against Paul Robeson, but you know, so I'm not sure that he ever really recovered from it. Uh, somebody who I think, who, somebody uh, currently that I'm proud of, right now and I'll do this quickly, is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Exactly. Okay, because he, I mean, you know, he's doing it through writing now. He's doing it through. He's involved. (laughs) Using it, you know, and I mean, he's doing really good stuff. Okay, and he's doing you know stuff that you know anytime you can make the guy tweet from the White House, you you must have touched a nerve, <laughs> okay? <laughs> you know, and you're just a basketball uh, player, right. you, exactly. know, you know, or whatever, and or a former basketball player, you know. So that's somebody who I think went through a lot, uh, you know, and yeah, I think he's coming through it pretty well.
1: Right, right. As we go to break, as we think about this, you know. You all have brought up Kaepernick, we're gonna spend a little bit of time really talking about the things that he's going through with and his movement. But it's really interesting about vindication, and I wanna I want us to think about that. I want to think about the listeners who are. Is Colin Kaepernick a martyr? That's what I want you hmm. to think about as we go to break. You listen to the What's Your Revolution show, powered by Aetna. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Horproof. We will see you on the other side.
4: This is Desiree Charbonnet. While our neighborhoods are plagued by violence and our youth languish in a city without economic opportunity, we cannot sit on the sidelines waiting for others to make a difference for us. As a teenage girl, I remember a city that was safe and full of promise. I have a vision for a city that's safe where children can play on the sidewalks and parks without fear of harm. I have a vision for a city that delivers economic opportunity to all its people, not just a few. I have a vision for a united New Orleans where all communities are treated equally, including New Orleans East and Algiers. Please join us in our march for safe streets, our march for opportunity, and our march for a New Orleans that works. Please vote for me, Desiree Charbonnet. Mayor paid for by Charbonnet for Mayor. looking for that perfect gift for a birthday an anniversary or how
1: about just to brighten someone's day Mona's Accents is your one stop shop for beautiful floral
4: arrangements that are indeed perfect for any special occasion dedicated to quality, freshness and customer satisfaction, Mona's Accents will surely take care of all of your floral needs, so stop
1: by the shop located at 2109 North Claiborne Avenue or call us at 504-944-7001 and let us arrange and deliver your floral gifts, again that's 504 or or you can order online at www.monasaccents.com. Mona's Accents, freshness,
4: quality, and customer satisfaction guaranteed.
0: Meticulous, luxurious, affordable convenient experts. These are the words you hear when customers describe Deluxe Laundry and Dry Cleaners. If you like to dress to impress, our friends at Deluxe Laundry and Dry Cleaners are the kind of experts you want carrying for your important clothes. A family-owned New Orleans institution since 1940, the Duplass family personally inspects your clothes after they're cleaned. No matter what you're wearing, wedding dresses, formal dresses, business suits, or fine summer linens, Deluxe is the place for you. They offer convenient pickup and delivery plans, 24-hour drop-off, and personal friendly service. Deluxe Laundry and dry cleaners experts have the art of cleaning located at 5325 canal boulevard where lakeview meets mid-city just seven minutes from downtown call 488-7733 or visit us at deluxe cleaners democracy now in new orleans
1: Catch WBOK's newest show, Democracy Now, every Monday through Friday from 7 to 8 p.m. It's Democracy Now. Daily Global Independent News Hour, anchored by award-winning journalists Amy Goodman and Juan Gonzalez. Democracy Now presents daily headlines, followed by in-depth discussions from a rich diversity of people and perspectives rarely heard from mainstream media. Guests include international journalists, scholars, scientists, authors, analysts, artists, filmmakers, and ordinary people who are most affected by news events in the U.S. and around the world. Tune in to Democracy Now! Every Monday through Friday from 7 to 8 p.m. WBOK, 1230 a.m. The People's Station.
0: I'd like to know what you're going to do when you retire from boxing. I really
3: don't know. I want to say something right here. You all might, this might make you all think. When I get out of boxing, I
2: want to do all I can to help people. What's the, what's the best thing I can do? Get ready to meet God. Back in time, I lost track of time rolling on the road. Christmas Eve's and Valentine's seemed like the days before. I came, I went, I did well. I did, I really meant well. But I almost missed my beat. So th- you for saving me a see,
3: I swear, ain't nowhere greater, ain't nowhere brighter, ain't nowhere better, 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 better. Ain't no one prettier, ain't no one wiser, ain't no one better,
5: better.
3: God, God don't praise me because I beat Joe Frazier. God don't give nothing about Joe Frazier. God don't care nothing about England or America as far as your wealth it's all he is all is. He
2: wants
1: to know how do we treat each other? How do we help each other? Welcome back to the What's Your Revolution show. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Corpru, sitting here with two illustrious brothers, Lloyd Craddock and Rope Brown, as we talk about activism and sports. As we went to break, I asked this question is Colin, is Colin Kaepernick a martyr? Before we go to the lines, I want to ask this question to you all Is he a martyr?
3: Uh, for me, not yet.
1: Unfortunately,
3: martyrdom means death.
1: It does mean death. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it does it mean, mean death. It, but it, it, the it, proverbial nature death. of this.
3: Yeah. Now, now, you know, perhaps if he never, ever, ever plays a second of professional football again, then maybe to a degree that would give him some degree of martyrdom. Mm. Okay. And you know, and and so I mean, death in that respect, not you know. Physical right. death, right. or Something so like that. Exactly. I, I, if that should happen, then then perhaps, yeah, for the rest of our lives, we'll kind of feel that this is somebody who uh, uh, this is somebody who was treated, you know, unfairly and who was kind of sacrificed.
1: Exactly, <laughs> you know, sacrificed. Who was kind of sacrificed? Interesting, yeah. brother Craddock.
2: Well, th- earlier I, I said we need to see what's going to happen. How's yep. it going to play out, and how is mm. he going to respond? Mm-hmm. You know. I brought up Ali, you know, when Ali was on, ex- he was exiled, he was he was on the speaking circuit, right? He was on campuses, mm-hmm. he was delivering the message, mm-hmm. he was very much an, an, an activist yep. uh, and, and making a huge difference. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what Kaepernick does during this period of time. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. We're going to go to Vincent on line three. Vincent, what's up, brother? Thank you for calling the show. How you doing?
5: I'm doing great. I just wanted to tell you, first of all, uh, Dr., you know, you and your guests, I'm really enjoying the show, and um, they have two powerful guests on, and just thank you for that.
1: Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Appreciate you. Appreciate yeah. you. Appreciate you. And, uh, Go ahead.
5: And I just had a thought, a real quick thought. Um, I wonder if there's a maybe a disconnect between athletes, um, you know, and uh, as far as a feeling of not being able to socialize or know each other. I think when things happen in our community and you get, uh, you know, your Captain and you stand up and, you know, people throughout history is really a connection that's felt with the community and the player. But then I, I think about the players, you know, why is not a riddling effect throughout the whole community? And, you know, and I'd imagine, I'm not, I've never played professional sports, but I know everybody has an agent, they have an advisor. I mean, you have all these type of factors that Perhaps uh, prohibit people from kind of thinking freely, or you know, just I don't know, being led. You know what I mean? So yeah. what, you're, what you're asking I really is, think, is I don't know can the players is like come a, together? A connected teams. Yeah. Um, and just growing up in New Orleans, like neighborhoods, for instance, you know, I didn't. A lot of people probably feel like that. You can go in a neighborhood, you know, and vibe and with anyone. And it should be like that within the sports community. If you're black, you know what I mean. You should feel like, even yeah, I'm competing against you. We are making all this money, but you know, we're still the same in a sense.
3: Right. I think I think what he's saying, you know, is, and I often think about this that you know we've lost a collective. Hmm. Unpack that for me, brother. We we've lost a collective. I mean, at one time there was a collective where you knew where you stood, and you knew that you stood with all these people who felt the same way you felt and were looking towards the same thing that you were looking towards, you know. know, I hate to keep going back to this, but, you know, it's, you know, Lord Ninth Ward, Mr. Washington at Postman, he made sure I got my Sports right. Illustrated right. on
2: Thursday in the mail. Okay?
3: Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. because he told me he did. Okay. Well, Later the, on, the, you know, the, the, it, it
2: collective, it's just, the, it's the collective became, became right. separated when economics mm-hmm. came mm-hmm. into play. Exactly. Right? Once exactly. You, once we, we yeah. became divided into different economic classes within right. our black community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, oftentimes you hear people say, you know, it's, it's not about race, it's about greens. Right. But, but
3: but we allowed exactly. we allowed ourselves because there was yeah. always a class, you know, th- there were always some white, black people who had a little money and some who had none, but they were still, yeah. the, you know, they were, right. still, they were still lifting as we climb. The same thing, right. you know? a-
1: exactly. A- you know, Brother Vincent, we appreciate your call, man. We're going to unpack this a little further, man. Thank you for listening to the Thank show. Thank you very
5: much, gentlemen. Thank All you.
1: right, take care. One of the things that, that Vincent's question actually uh, uh, allows for me to bring up with you all is that we've seen, we haven't seen a collective really fall behind Kaepernick, uh-huh. right? Des Brian in Dallas, uh-huh. right? You heard his comments. LeSean McCoy in Buffalo, uh-huh. you know. It, it is very interesting to see that brothers are not in lockstep with him. That, that so, how do you feel about that? You, because Vincent brings up a great thing that there's not a collective, a, a large collective at least not outwardly saying that we Mm -hmm. are behind him, Mm -hmm. you know, but you have some brother Dez Bryant's like, I'm gonna keep my money in my pocket.
0: Yeah.
3: (laughs)
1: Right. Yeah. Jerry's been like, Hey brother, you want that money? Yeah. Eventually, eventually you
3: hope that what's right wins out. We have always had, you know, a number of black people who were not, you know, part of that collective, you know, who, who didn't, didn't want to be part of that collective because it, it, it would affect them, you know, personally or whatever. Uh, we, we, we've always had that, okay? You know, there was not this great love for Martin Luther King mm, on April 4th, it. 1968 when he was assassinated. Right. Okay? Good like like here, you brother. have this, this kumbaya now, okay? I had to go to a newly integrated school the day after, okay? And I saw the smirks. The smirks that said, "Well, I, I he got what was, he, was coming." You know, don't you know? There wasn't this, and and there were some black people who prior to him being killed, who they didn't want anything to do with him. Mm. You know, because he was making it more difficult for some. of
1: uh, – So it's always been that way. But you gotta but have gotta someone, You gotta things. have someone who's gonna push the status quo, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. as one thing I said the other day on my uh, my uh, Twitter page is that you have to seek failure. Because you, if you don't seek failure, mm-hmm. you don't know how far you can go. Mm-hmm. And some people get complacent. Brother Craddock, you want to well, say something.
2: It, 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 I mean, it took a lot for, for Kaepernick to do what, what he did because of what he risked. Yeah. And I think that's what many of the other brothers don't want to do. They mm-hmm. don't want to risk. Mm-hmm. There's, there's too much money involved. Uh, and I think more and more of our, our athletes are in tune to uh, how short their careers could be and the fact that uh, they, they don't want to lose this opportunity. Uh, Unfortunately, so you know, I I just I think that's kind of the way it is, and uh, until the groundswell comes and Mm -hmm. it becomes easier to step in. Right, it becomes what, right. Yeah, it, you know, let some other people do it first, and yeah, yeah. let some of the the, the, <laughs> the white guys come out and, and step it, it, in. Then I can like, step in. But it,
1: again, it's about risk. It, it, but it's about that's risk. not revolutionary. It, it's, no, it, that, it, that is not revolutionary you know, in, in any not. sense. It, I will jump on the bandwagon <laughs> when it's right. But the revolutionary is out there taking <laughs> but, the risk in the beginning.
3: <laughs> but what what do I was saying, it makes me think about Kurt Flood. You know, when you want to talk about activists and martyrdom. You know, Kurt Flood, for those who don't know, was, you know, the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team traded him to the Phillies. He said, I'm not a piece of cattle. I'm not property. I'm not going. You can't just trade me. You can't just do that, okay? You know, and with the anti, you know, they had the law on their side. Baseball did. So he went to court, and they lost. But prior to that, Bob Gibson, his teammate, said, Kurt, I'm behind you. You know, I'm behind you. I'm a hundred yards behind you, <laughs> but I'm behind you good, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: It's hard to be an activist when you're living good. It's hard to be an activist when you're living
1: good. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that, that's <laughs> <just> the, <laughs> <laughs> that is just the the. Rachel, fact. Rachel <laughs> tweet that out right now. It's, it's hard, hard to, to be an, an activist, activist when you're when living good. good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and please credit that to Brother know Credit. And so that also troubles me because I'm not a millionaire. Maybe I don't understand that. And so, you know. If anybody at the table here is a millionaire, let me know. Before I, before I make this comment, <laughs> oh, I might be. I'm not. <laughs> right, no, no comment. <laughs> but the thing about it is, 16.9 million, 20 million, 10 million, million, right? I, where, where does greed become a part of this? I, I don't want to lose my. You just got paid 20 million dollars last year, right? Most people are not going to make 20 million dollars in their lifetime. And depending on their level of degree, I mean, not even see $1 million average earning over their lifetime. But yet you are still worried about, right? But, but if, but but, if, but but if but you're who are you buying, talking
2: about, though? Who, yeah. Because I, I tell you, I, I had the recent experience, first time I ever did this. Uh, I went through this, this, uh, this year's draft and looked at the salaries from the number one choice all the way down to 200 and whatever. It's it's an interesting it process is, to do that. The money changes drastically after mm-hmm. uh, the second round.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ezekiel Elliott, changes, Dax, the second it was it uh, round, right? Dax Prescott? So, yeah. But
2: but there's only a few guys that's making that huge money. Mm, okay. mm-hmm. Everybody else is making real good money because mm-hmm. the minimum salary this year I think is four hundred sixty-five mm-hmm. thousand. Right? <laughs> I take it. I take. But but it's it's uh, not everybody is getting that big money. So and, he, that and here's
3: where the activism, I think, that we need to be aware of what could be coming, could be coming. The activism, as far as the economics of professional football, and I didn't say sports, I didn't say basketball.
1: Right, because we're seeing something sport. totally different,
3: okay, in professional football. Okay, for the first time, I've heard somebody talk about, you know. Who gets paid what? What position gets paid what? What can you, And you, you didn't hear that kind of stuff before, okay? It's the first time I'm hearing that sort of thing from some players.
1: Mm,
3: right. And, you know, so that's uh, – that I think that's, you know, uh, the Kaepernick thing and, and First Amendment rights and all that, that's important. But if they really try to make a dent, that's where it's going to be, and it's going to be harder. Because you're dealing with thirty-two people who are not accustomed not to paying accustomed. anybody, much less some young black guy, millions of dollars. Millions of okay? dollars. That exactly. that's not in their DNA. <laughs> <laughs> They've been doing it, They've but it's not in their DNA. And they're able to do it because of television. Right. Okay? But, but as long as they don't feel dollars. like it's coming out of their pockets,
1: they're not gonna do it. Right. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's not gonna happen. So it speaks to this question, Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. The stance or the kneel, as Mm -hmm. they say, how has he shaped the conversation now around activism, race, and racism in sports and in the national conversation? Two years ago, you wouldn't have had this show.
3: (laughs) 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 Two years, I mean, this topic two years ago wouldn't happen. Okay, what is happening in the quiet quiet period? Because it's happening now because Colin Kaepernick. Took the knee, okay, and so other people are talking about it now, also, uh, you yeah, know, and, and, and that's uh, it. Sounds you know funny, but but that's where things start, okay. She didn't get up out of a seat on the bus. There you go, okay. I mean, uh, Ka-
2: Kaepernick, uh, you know, uh, he, he exploited just a great opportunity, man. I mean. The visibility mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. and that that's what it's, that's what it's about, right I mean, he used this stage to yes. call attention now now we've got okay. a lot of other folks that's got to rally around mm-hmm. uh, what he, the door that he's opened and get to work, but but he, he made it a part of the conversation with, with that with that gesture and and others being involved. so great stage NFL. Uh, no no bigger business right. more no more visible business than the NFL, mm-hmm. so it' she's it's, added great value
1: great value yep. you're listening to the yes. w you're listening to WBOK twelve thirty a m This is the Whats your Revolution show, powered by Aetna, having a wonderful conversation about Kaepernick, activism, sports, how we have this conversation right now about race and racism in America and sports and it's interesting that you all say that that two years ago we wouldn't have had this conversation. You know, two two years ago, it wouldn't have been like, oh, my God, I need to talk about this. Because really the last time we kind of had this conversation was um, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, Craig Hodges. Mm-hmm. You remember that and how both of them were still, as we talked about this, ostracized for their behaviors. Right. But we really haven't been talking about it. Right. Yeah. You know, and so if you compare this, and, and I want to thank my good brother, Ethan Ashley, for sending me this article today. It's really around – if you look at – are we really talking about Charlottesville the way that we're talking about it now if not for Colin Kaepernick? Do people are saying, wow, it, this is still America in 2017. Maybe what Colin Kaepernick is, is kneeling for is right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Are we having that conversation if he has not knelt down before this? Does Charlottesville – Take on the 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 magnitude that it has if Colin Kaepernick doesn't do what he did last year. I think it's all connected, you know. From Ferguson, yes. Missouri,
3: <laughs> Charlottesville
2: <laughs> takes on the yeah. the magnitude. Right. When when you're talking about uh, torches at night,
1: right? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. White
2: boys walking yeah. and, and yelling, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, it, it uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's 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 serious. Yeah, that's it, serious you know.
3: stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, and I mean, it goes from day it's, 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 to me. It's all connected, you know, from Ferguson, Missouri, to you know, it, it's all it's all connected in some way, shape, or form, you know, to Colin Kaepernick taking the you know, Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, if you want to, you know, it, it, it's all connected. It's all. But like Oid said, yeah, you know, I mean, there, there's a generation of people, you know, I would hope, who you know, never saw those. People walking down those streets with the torches, you know.
0: But, but you, know, other you know, the Jews thing about replace Or down Jeff Davison with the you Confederate you flags. Know, whatever, the other yeah. thing
2: about the timing of Kaepernick it is now it happens with the election of Trump, right? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. now uh, he's created yep. an environment where all of us have to have a greater sense of urgency yeah. about being active. Right. Because clearly uh, our world will change around us if we're not.
1: If we're not. Mm-hmm. And activism becomes – or should be a part of the daily fabric of who we are.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We have to. You, th- you think about our Hispanic brothers who now have to think about and worry about not only themselves, yeah. but their children.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, with the ending of DACA, yeah. th- thinking about that and how activism has to be at the forefront of what they're doing every day. Because it's not only I have to protect my child. Mm-hmm. You know I have I have some uh, uh Latino and Latino friends who really are thinking about well, well, how how I built my this is all that I know I built my life here. You I've right. grown up here yeah it, it it wasn't my doing for my parents to come over here. they wanted a better life and I was able to be raised and educated in a country and now I'm a success, but what's happening to the eight hundred thousand children? Right, who are now like what's going to happen? Many of them who do not even speak <laughs> Spanish, and so it's really interesting how activism has to be at the forefront of what we do every, every day. Let me ask you this question, because it's the flip side of the, the Kaepernick. There are people saying, you know, like Joe Montana and other, even Ray Lewis and different people who said there were there are other ways for Kaepernick to have made this protest. There are better ways. To do this. But they never say what they are. <laughs> well, that's what I want to know. That, that, no. that, that is exactly what I want to ask you all. What are those ways? Because I, I haven't heard there are other ways, but there are no suggestions. What were some, in your mind, what's another way that Kaepernick could have done this and, and still brought the same fervor that we're seeing?
2: Nothing.
1: I don't Nothing. think you can.
2: You
3: know, when you talk about activist activism, you know.
2: <laughs> you have to make folks uncomfortable.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Somebody has to do it. Not everybody's going to do that. Okay. You, you know, I've already mentioned, you know, that you can be an activist and not do that. But you have to have the ones who do do that. Okay. You have to have those. And, you know, there's some people who can be activists and not, you know, uh, you know disrupt or not make somebody uncomfortable. Okay, I, like, like I said, I mentioned the people in the neighborhood. Where I grew up to me, they were activists. I mean, in, they got things done. In, in our, but in, you need in, the people like like Colin Kaepernick and them to do what they
2: do. Mm-hmm. In the in the world we're in, where folks' attention span is about a couple of seconds, mm-hmm. you've got to do something to to grab you know, grab attention yeah. and and hold it. Mm-hmm. So it took something of that magnitude, that mm-hmm. that severe, uh, and and that. Putting America in a position of, of looking at its hypocrisy <laughs> to upset America uh, to get its attention because if not we'll move yeah. on to the next thing yeah. in a split yeah. second. When exactly. you look at the
3: definition of activism in the library, I think you you see vigorous, vigorous. You see vigorous in the in that definition. You know, vigorous demonstration or vigorous action. Okay, and yeah, so you got to have some of that. There's no way around it.
2: Is the other thing is he's labor. <laughs> okay?
3: At yeah. the end
2: of the day, he's a football player and he's labor. Right. He's not management. Yeah. He's not ownership. Yeah. So he doesn't have yeah. many tools mm-hmm. at his disposal. So he used the best one available. Exactly. If he, and if that, he, and if he
1: just had a black band around his arm. And somebody, <laughs> had, nobody would, why are you wearing that black band? <laughs>
2: and,
3: and, and that's why I tell people who, you know, come up to me and they ask, you know, well, what do you think? Well, I think he should be allowed, uh, you know, to play. And they go, well, you got to understand, you know, playing in the National Football League is not a government job. OK, <laughs> you know, it's not something where, you know, well, you know, somebody rules and then all of a sudden he has a job. And then the people are saying, I think you should go to a team where he has a chance to win. No, that's not how it works. Okay, <laughs> you know, you and, and,
2: and I made that statement deliberately because earlier <laughs> in the conversation I talked about being an advocate for leadership, us right. being in leadership. Our right. leaders have got to speak up.
1: Our yeah. leaders and have got and to speak exactly. up. We've got
2: to have more of us in exactly. leadership roles. Well, exactly. And
1: H- here's the thing. I want to I pull that out for a second, gentlemen, is that you all talk about making people uncomfortable. When I saw those white torches, that made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the that, made me un- that made me uncomfortable. That was the purpose of that. And so you're exactly right. There was no other way for Kaepernick. To do this, he had to make people feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And what is the one thing, you know? Because after nine, remember nine eleven, the flags were draped all across the country, right? I'm American. I'm American. But as Chris Rock said, as the fervor died down, I'm American. But mm, I don't know, you're Hispanic.
3: Yeah.
1: I don't know. I don't know. Wait a minute. I'm American. But oh, wait a minute. You're Jewish. I don't know. I wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. I'm coming for you. So it's interesting. (laughs) It it is interesting how I flag, you know, and I still get chills every time I hear the Star Spangled Banner. I replay Whitney Houston's singing of the 1991 Star Spangled Banner at the Super Bowl. It gives me chills. It makes me think about this. I am American, Mm -hmm. but I also know that I have a history and a heritage that is oppressed and has injustice laden through it.
3: Yeah. like my – Late, great, brilliant father used to say, "You know, African Americans are truly Americans." Two times, during times of war and Olympic years. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: two <laughs> times, <laughs> during times of war <laughs> and during <laughs> Olympic years.
2: You <laughs> know, the, the, the good—the good in uh, Charlottesville <laughs> if is, is a good. Is that mm-hmm. it's going to give? Uh, obviously, it's brought folks together, but it's also going to give this current generation images mm-hmm. Uh they to keep them. in their mind. See, I, I, I have lots of images. Lots as of a images. Kid Being called the n word. Grew up in the in the sixties, yeah. teenage in the seventies. I got images, man. I got memories that uh, they live with me today. Right. And yeah. drive me. And a lot of our young people, they don't have those same images. Right. And and yeah. memories of of uh, someone questioning their humanity.
3: Unfortunately, I think there's enough of them that you know uh, the image that the images that we saw in Charlottesville of those you know, people walking with their torches. It might be a, a good portion of a generation of African-Americans where that doesn't – it's just guys with torches to them.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you, know you know what I mean? If mean, you know what I mean, I mean it's That's an interesting conversation. What's, what's the big deal? That, you know? that's, interesting, that's an interesting <laughs> conversation that we can have further. But you, you're right because younger generations have not seen that. Yeah. So, so and what? So what
3: They're walking with torches,
1: yeah. you know that they, they think, you and know. For I mean? uh, and it. for us, we've seen crosses <laughs> burning. We've been called <laughs> yeah, inward. That's yeah. you've
2: gotta, you got to you got to show the other pictures next to that. One. <laughs> the <laughs> the similar hoods, the crosses, yeah. and then what was hanging from the trees? Exactly. exactly. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. As we wrap up, gentlemen, I want you to just quickly answer this one question: um, What advice would you give to athletes at all ranks who want to stand up or sit down for a cause? Uh, I believe that athletes, even though I
3: agree with Oid, they are labor. But athletes have more power than they know. Right. They have more power than they use, even though they are labor. Yeah. You know, they they can they can do some things.
2: Get your money in order early. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. So,
3: so that
4: like
2: you them can so, so that you so, can do that. So, so yeah. that you can do that. So you mm-hmm. can live live uh, with your heart in your head, man. Do the right thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Got you. Gotcha. Gotcha. As we uh, leave today on the What's a Revolution show powered by Ed, and I want to thank my guests, the acclaimed journalist, Ro Brown, author, producer, writer, director. Before Ooh, the West credit. Coast. <laughs> before the West Coast. Brothers, I appreciate you coming on the show to really this robust conversation about activism and sports. Hopefully hopefully, you have gotten not only a tidbit, not only a morsel, so, but you got full today based on our conversation. Thank you for listening to the What's Your Revolution show. Rachel is trying to tell me something, and I can't figure it out, but I'm just going to go and finish the show. Thank you for listening to the What's Your Revolution show, powered by Aetna.
3: Right.
1: <laughs> Check us out next week as we talk about one versus one hundred. And as always, answer the most thought-provoking question of the week. What's your revolution? revolution? Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. <laughs>